Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Brothers and sisters, one of the healthiest things you can do for yourself is staying hydrated. And you know what I'm talking about. You go to your basketball game, football game, pro wrestling events, and suddenly you get a little parched. Well, one of the best ways that you can keep yourself safe is using liquid IV. See, liquid IV is a hydration stick that you can pour into 16 ounces of water and immediately get more efficiently hydrated than water alone. Okay? 12 delicious, refreshing flavors. All of your essential B vitamins, including B3, B5, B6, B12, even vitamin C. Three times the electrolytes as traditional sports drinks. It's made with premium ingredients, non-GMO, free from gluten, dairy, soy, all that good stuff there. Listen, I'm telling you right now, folks, Liquid IV has changed my life. It's something that I use on a regular basis because I'm always on the go. I got to stay hydrated. You got to stay hydrated. Liquid IV has your back. It'll keep you exactly that way. Hydrated. But don't just take my word for it. I want you to try it out. And because of that, if you head over to liquidiv.com right now, you can put anything that you want in your cart. And then at checkout, use the promo code Duke Loves Wrestling. No spaces in that now. Duke Loves Wrestling. Going to save you 20% on your entire order. That's how much I care about your hydration. That's how much I want you to check out Liquid IV. So what are you waiting for? Shop better hydration today. Visit liquidiv.com. That's right. This is Mateo Mayorga with Five Reasons Sports Network and Fansided, and you're listening to Duke Loves Wrestling. Folks, you know I am a big fan of the NBA. Grew up watching it uh, my entire life. And I love to check in with the folks who cover the sport because it just keeps me in the loop on what's going on in general, especially the business of the NBA. I'm, I'm always uh, curious about that. And shout out to our good friend, Peter Vesey. You know, he's introduced me to a lot of folks and he's been the, the gateway to building a lot of great relationships in sports, in journalism. And certainly, you know, my favorite of them all is our returning guest here. So without further ado, Mateo, welcome back to Duke Loves Wrestling, brother. Man, you honor me. It's such a privilege to come back here and be on the show. I, I loved it so much the, the first time. And, you know, it's been a long time coming. We got to follow up on some things. How are you doing? I'm doing great, man. And, and you're absolutely right. It's been a long time coming. Definitely got to follow up. Before we even do that, though, I want to give a shout out to your dad. Um, he shared w- when you were on the show and, and just such a gentleman and what have you. I got to show respect and, and appreciation for uh, Mr. Mayorga. So so definitely shout out to Big Papa over there. What's up, brother? Thank, Thank you for sure. I'll let him know you told him. Sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. So so what's going on, man? I mean, I, I know that uh, we are knocking on the door of October, which means that we're right on the, the road to the next NBA season and all the craziness that goes along with it. 
I know there's been some moves happening, both in terms of talent and, and contracts and, you know, even the, the uh, rights fees, you know, what's going to be airing on TV and what networks and, and all that good stuff there. From your perspective, as somebody who covers the sport, what are what are some things that we should know about as NBA fans? What should we be paying attention to as we head into this next season? Well, Duke, the uh, NBA's historic move with their new rest uh, minimum games policy or anything in regards to the resting of the players, it seems like now there is agreement from, you know, everybody, not just, you know, fans and media, but the league at hand that there is a problem. You know, it, w- it was a problem that they weren't acknowledging that, you know, the best players and, you know, frankly, a lot of the upper class or middle class role players in the league were not suiting up like they did in the past. And we should also mention that around the same time that there was a precipitous drop in attendance, COVID was something that changed the world. And there is um, continued medical data that supports that people are still experiencing the effects of that virus even months after testing negative. But as it pertains to, you know, the NBA's you know, new rules and, you know, the at least the minimum games policy for qualifying for awards in the future. The NBA wanted to crack down on, you know, the resting of players. And this is their effort to make sure that the league gets back to a culture of playing 82 games that guys were dressed or teams were kind of drastically getting away from in these last four or five years. Now, the league will tell you there is no evidence to support that guys are getting hurt more often than the past. That's not my position. That is the league's. But um, uh, they're, they're, they're still looking into specifically like every one of these occurrences, like the injuries. They still want to be thorough. And one of the reasons I, I believe they set a marker at 65 games for the awards and the recognition titles like MVP, Defensive Player of the Year, All-NBA, and uh, the defensive teams, is, and also the caveat in there, 62 games and 62 games for the players who get hurt and can't proceed. The reason why I think they picked this number is because the league still themselves doesn't have a full picture of why guys are missing games aside from rest. Sure, you know, guys are getting hurt too, and it's kind of strange that, that they say that they don't see evidence for more injuries in the past. But, you know, this is why I think it's not such a black and white issue and why people shouldn't be so absolutist. Maybe it's something on our end that we, we as uh, the people who cover it, should talk about it more. But basketball does have a lot of wear and tear on the body, and it is a, a contact sport. And personally, just seeing guys like Jimmy Butler after a game in March when the Heat beat the Knicks in, in a close game, he had 35 that night and played heavy minutes. This man was limping like Kevin McHale, Duke, and I, I couldn't believe it. I, I don't get to, you know— travel to Miami so often but I was asking around and I was told that this was was common for Jimmy Butler so it's it's pretty amazing that someone like him can you know heal like Wolverine in between games and come back and ball but listen like guys you know still get hurt the guys are also resting this this is a very complex issue at the same time you know a couple of weeks ago, you saw Adam Silver come out at his press conference and kind of take a hard line. And this 
was for the fans, of course, but it was also, to, you know, to protect their their league partners, their you know, the television broadcasters, because in, during the previous CBA, the, the 2017 version, there were guys who uh, were supposed to, like the big stars, like Stephen Curry, Clay Thompson, who were supposed to be on national televised games, and you know, they rested and the the broadcast partners complained to the league and good reason that that was bad for everybody involved it, it's bad for promotion you know w- wasted dollars and you know most importantly you know the fans who paid their good hard-earned money to see these players sometimes you know they could have season tickets there's some who you know scrounged up all they could just to see them once and they couldn't this was a big deal and you know the league doesn't want to see that what really ticked them off was young players uh, with no injury history, missing time when they shouldn't. And another one that was a big deal to them was specifically the situation in Portland at the end of the regular season. Damian Lillard missed the last 10 games. That team only won one of those games. And what a coincidence. They were the team that picked number two overall in the draft and picked Scoot Henderson, who is supposed to be the real deal and the next best thing at point guard. Those are the things the league doesn't want to happen. They they want to crack down on the, the resting of players who, you know, when they are healthy and not experiencing pain, they want you on the court. Now, at the same time, Duke, they will also tell you this. If you are in pain, you are hurt, you know, or worse yet, there's an injury. They do not want you to play. Like in the past, you know, you, you, you they, there was things like Kevin McHale, um, competing with a broken foot in the 1987 playoffs. He suffered this injury, I believe, late in the regular season, but the Celtics got to the finals that year against the Lakers and lost. That man was playing with a fracture in his foot. That man today limps around. The price, you know, for being a professional athlete in the NBA should not be what that man suffered. You know, there's it's not as common as it used to be in the past of those abhorrent practices, but you do still see from time to time some freak shows like, for example, what the Warriors did to Kevin Durant, trotting him out there after three weeks of hurting his calf. Then he popped his Achilles and 11 minutes into game five of the 2019 finals, uh, even uh, closer to now in 2021 in the first round, Anthony Davis was playing like garbage, not because of his abilities. No, the man had a, a, a very hurt left groin that was affecting his ability to play. You know, shame on these organizations for suckering these players and using their love for the game and manipulating them to go out there for some cheap wins. The league doesn't want to see that anymore. It's some abhorrent practices. And listen, anybody that, you know, competes while they're physically injured is, you know, asking for trouble and also asking for their careers, you know, to be cut shorter. But, you know, some key observations that I've, you know, taken away just from speaking to people Duke as well is that the league was on a conference call with the representatives of the 30 teams and, one thing that they told the teams to provide them was medical data to you know or, or regarding this subject on everything they got so because they're still listening and learning too they 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 had to you know enact this 65 game you know policy but you know I'm, because they're still asking for more information I, that's why I'm not surprised it wasn't higher but and another thing they were told by the teams is, you know, contrary to what the public wants, the public wants, you know, the league to lower the amount of back to backs. According to, you know, NBA communications, there are some organizations like 
I, I wasn't told specifically which ones who are advocating for more back-to-backs because there is some medical data to suggest that um, it, it, it's, it prevents injuries. As, as crazy as it sounds, this is what the league is telling me. This is, this is not, you know, what, what I think, but another thing that, you know, some proponents of playing more back-to-backs have said is that it helps keep their guys in rhythm. So right now what the league has going on is a real complex debate with the rest uh, uh, play debate. And it's, it's sad to see, you know, people not do their full homework on it and want to just say, well, the guys in the past, sucked it up and did it the guys today are a bunch of babies look what they're getting paid and you know they're they're not playing as often like you know in every decade you know you can point to the freaks who had extensively long careers but there are also guys in you know every era beside before the modern age that you know should have played longer penny hardaway was a workhorse until you know he wasn't because his extremities gave out on him and you know, he, he obviously was robbed of his abilities and couldn't be on the court the same amount of time. Larry Bird was amazing until his back gave out. You know, he was someone who was almost perfect in attendance. So the league's got, you know, issues there. There's also, you know, what's been going on with um, <laughs> uh, the president of the um, the Cleveland Cavaliers on his birthday, nonetheless. He, uh, well, the day before, actually, his birthday is on September 16th the day he turned 41 on the 15th uh, our man was booked for driving under the influence of alcohol and he, he pled not guilty i i publicized the body cam footage online so people could see for themselves what they think of that situation there's you know also this kid Wembanyama man victor Wembanyama to be specific for the audience he comes from the club metropolitans 92 from the uh, league in france the french league he is a great prospect, but I think a lot of the NBA media, a lot of the scouting has, you know, has been, is, is very flawed because I'm, I'm hearing a lot of talk that he's the greatest prospect of all time. And th- that gives me pause because I'm aware of who Lou Alcindor was. That's, you know, eventually Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, he changed his name. I'm, I'm aware of who Will Chamberlain, Bill Russell, LeBron James were, and what I've noticed or what I what I think is the case is a lot of NBA media have propped up this kid like he's the next uh, greatest thing since sliced bread, and I wouldn't be surprised if these are the same jokers that tear him down the moment he doesn't lift up to the expectations. The reason why I don't think he, he he's he's gonna be all of that immediately is because he's too skinny, man. He's he he was kind of thrown around a bit, and you know, it's in certain matchups playing in France against six five players, and now he's got to be in a grown man's league. He's gonna have a learning adjustment, and it's gonna shock the the heck out of a lot of people. So you know, the the, the news with this uh, the new policy and the rules, and uh, you know what's going on with you know the Cleveland Cavaliers executive. There's also things you know Wembanyama, you know Jalen Brown getting that super enormous deal. Um, the best player in the world, possibly Nikola Jokic winning a title and, you know, getting out of Dodge, so to speak, you know, partying his summer in, in Serbia, I think is interesting. There's a lot going on in the NBA. Well, I'll, I'll tell you, that's a hell of an update. And and I, I want to give you um, your props because you were on top of this thing with uh, COVID and how it could affect the longevity 
of uh, players, especially as we go through seasons and what have you. And, and the fact that so many were having to play less and, you know, there was no other explanation that would make it make sense other than the fact that these are the residual effects of uh, COVID-19 on these athletes. So it's interesting that the that the league itself is now implementing a policy for rest officially and, and all this good stuff here. So uh, you were right on it with that, man. Where do we go from here? Where do we go from here? Because as you can see, you know, we have a whole new wave of COVID-19 that we're in the process of preparing for. It's that time of year. So this is not something that's going away every year in the fall um, going into the winter. This is a time where people are indoors more and what have you, which that in and of itself can increase the possibility of transmission where do you see things going for the league itself? I mean, is there a possibility that the league could even pause for periods of time uh, because of this? You know, I, I think it's gotten to the point where it's the, the NBA is too big to fail unless there is a uh, national health emergency. They will not do something like that. And the funny thing is it, it's, it took something like them shutting down the league for, you know, other world organizations to, you know, take notice and start following you know their footsteps and you know t t taking the safe route but in, in regards to you know wh where you go forward you know until the nba sees more you know conclusive data or evidence for things they will not risk their you know financial bottom line um i have put in uh, inquiry requests for interviews with uh, specifically uh dr sandeep lahadi of the Methodist uh, Hospital in Houston, one of the leading research centers for uh, COVID research. Um, I'm still waiting to hear back from him I, and, and his representatives. Hopefully I get him soon because I would love to provide an update because I have a whole lot of questions on, you know, specifically what, you know, these things or what these uh, symptoms can do to an athlete long-term. And let's be real, a lot of the NBA players, a lot of them tested uh, positive when, you know, the league was in its shutdown and, you know, in its first season back from it. But, you know, I don't think we can expect much right now. What about from a general standpoint? I mean, what are you, what are you looking forward to as the uh, season is approaching us? Do you, do you see any surprise hits for any particular teams or, or are there teams that traditionally are competitive? You think they, they've taken a major step back with the moves they've made during the offseason? Oh, my man, I, f I forgot to mention one of the uh, big power plays going on in, in the league right now, Damian Lillard, and how he is also trying to get rid of the Portland Trailblazers. This is a storyline that it, it is a big deal because this guy has four years left on his contract and has told the team he doesn't want to play for them. And uh, one of the you know four horsemen of Miami media, Barry Jackson, who works for the Miami Herald, has reported recently that if Damian Lillard were to get traded to another outfit, he would immediately ask for uh, a swap to the Miami Heat. They're doing this to try to dissuade other teams from uh, making a play for Damian Lillard. And this is kind of some unprecedented stuff because, you know, in the past, Ben Simmons was someone who was moved with multiple years on his deal. And when that happened, I, I said that'll open the floodgates. But 
Damian Lillard has kind of become a flashpoint with for you know people taking positions because they're like a lot of people are saying, well, it's bad for the league that someone like him has as good as he is has all this time left and he can just because of his star power start throwing his weight around and make things uncomfortable and force the team's hand to trade him. There there is that position. It's it's a valid one. Um, you know, then there's the other one that. He signed that deal, that extension, with the intention of the team being a competitive outfit. They they sold him on the promise of, of of contention, and what they did at this draft was go on and uh, pick his replacement, number two overall, Scoot Henderson. I understand uh, the player's frustration. He's on the, uh, the excuse me the the back end of his career. Still ex- excellent, I want to say, but 33 years old. Realistically, how much time could he have left at an elite level? And he's a competitive guy. He wants to compete for championships. I know in the past he said that he's very loyal to Portland and he wants to be committed to the grind and, and win there. But, you know, people, people he's, a, he's a human being. People change their minds. What you wanted five years ago, a year ago, may not be what you want tomorrow. And he's trying to get his way over to the Miami Heat any way he can. And it's, it's funny, you know, you, you speak to any contract lawyer, you know, outside of this, and they'll tell you when some when one side, you know, breaks their side of the deal, it's null and void. And that's precisely how Damian Lillard and his camp are looking at this situation. That's one of the big stories going on. Shame on me for not bringing that up a moment ago. There's also James Harden trying to do the same thing, trying to get to the Los Angeles Clippers, although they've put out recently uh, the feeler that, you know, they are no longer uh, engaged in negotiations for Harden because right now it is too difficult to move him after he opted into the last year of his deal. There is that going on. But, you know, one of the surprise teams you – you mentioned a moment ago, Duke. I really, um, I, I really think the Minnesota Timberwolves could be something this year. They were, they, they weren't as good as, as people expected them to be last season. But I, I want to remind everybody: Carl Anthony Towns uh, only played in twenty five games last season, and he is one of the uh, best bigs in the league. You know, it's it's hard to build continuity with your best players if one of them isn't on the floor and. Someone like him who can provide so many options with uh, Anthony Edwards, specifically uh, on on pick and pop or, you know, screen and roll. And also as, you know, someone who's a threat in the corner, Carl Anthony Towns, uh, at least in one of the corners, makes like half of his shots. He is a real uh, lethal option on the offensive side. And, you know, they incorporated him next to, Rudy Gobert for limited time last year. And a lot of people thought it was a clunky fit. 29 games, you know, it's specific. Those 29 wasn't the full total he was with Rudy because I don't, if memory serves correct, Rudy missed a couple of, um, missed some in between too. That is not enough time to, you know, for for players of this caliber, guys who are intended to sacrifice for the greater good, to build cohesion. I would be on the lookout for the Minnesota Timberwolves because they got a lot of talent and, you know, they underachieved in large part because of injuries. They won a game against the uh, def- or the current defending champions uh, in the first round. You know, so did the Miami Heat in the finals. Not to, you know, uh, say, oh, they, they just won a game, but they... The games they were in against the the Nuggets 
were very competitive. They they need a little bit more help to push them over the top. That doesn't mean that they're automatically going to be champions, but I would be on the lookout for them as a quality squad. I also like the Oklahoma City Thunder because Shea Gilgis-Alexander is possibly the best guard in the entire NBA. He should be getting the type of promotion that you see Jason Tatum getting in, in Boston. I, I know a lot of that has to do with, you know, the TV market and, you know, shamefully that the ratings of, you know, I don't even want to mention their names of, of a, of a, of a metric that, you know, piles a lot of data in in a flawed, in in a flawed way. But this guy, Shea Gilgis Alexander, he is amazing. And he was one of the best players in, in the entire world well, competing for Canada in the world cup well, that, for the team that won, that won the, the bronze medal. He is going to be an MVP candidate. No doubt about it in my mind. I really like that outfit. They're also going to have one of the uh, shining rookies this year, Chet Holmgren. He hasn't played a minute of NBA basketball, but he was a red shirt last year. He has been training with NBA people and been around, you know, an NBA team. I think he has a, a, a much higher advantage than someone like Wembanyama, who is a, a, an also a great prospect and, and a skinny big, but he is someone who just moved over here from France. I'm, I'm sure he's going to be experiencing a culture shock and the expectations set on Wembanyama are so much higher than on someone like Chet Holmgren. Chet Holmgren is expected to be a role player. A lot of people are expecting Wembanyama unfairly to be, you know, a star even in his first season. But so there are those things going on with the league. Right now, I'd say the Miami Heat are in a state of uh, limbo because they, they, they'll probably be a quality squad with the players they have. But if they get Damian Lillard, it, it probably thwarts them into, into contention. But there is that whole, you know, power play going on. And at the end of the day, the executives don't have to move them. If they're willing to make it ugly, they can. So there's all of those storylines going on. And to tell you the truth, it's kind of interesting to watch, man. <laughs> you know, one of, one of the big stories um, that's been going around is Bronny James, LeBron James' son, who is a rookie at USC. Unfortunately, he had a, a heart issue. I think congenital heart defect is is what the official diagnosis was. And now it seems like some things are in limbo here just in terms of when he's going to return to playing basketball in college and how does that affect his prospects potentially playing in the NBA? There's been a lot of speculation that LeBron is hanging on and continuing his career in the NBA because he wants to play with Bronny. At this point, Mateo, from your uh, experience covering basketball, you know, taking a look at this situation, what are the prospects? Do you think it's still a possibility that LeBron and Bronny will play together in at least one NBA game? Or do you think that ship has sailed and, and we may be looking at the last, if not one of the last seasons for LeBron James? I absolutely think they will play together. And it, it's too good of a PR story for the league to pass up. The, uh, what my, excuse me, to my understanding, Bronny is is good. This was a, a, a one-off thing. He's a, a healthy young man, and you know th- 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 this is not expected to be a problem in the future. And here's the thing: he's also a very talented athlete. He's a, a highly uh, touted recruit. A- apart from that, I, I think he was going to make the NBA regardless. I understand why 
you know, this happens, some people are going to be like, whoa, you know, the, the risk at hand, it, it might most of all affect, you know, his, his draft standing. But listen, I, I think somebody, even if he doesn't get picked, you're like, oh my goodness, the opportunity to get, excuse me, signing Bronny James is likely the gateway to signing uh, LeBron James. So I, I don't think this is going to stop them from taking the court together and having, you know, one of the the NBA's, you know, greatest stories for a day, you know. So th- this is something LeBron's, you know, everybody has suspected, you know, you know, he's talked about it a little bit. Everybody's known he's, he's wanted this for a while. So I, I no doubt about it in my mind. Well, listen, M- Mateo said it, so you can you can definitely expect that to happen, folks. That's good stuff. That's good stuff. You, you know, you, you definitely have given me a refresher. I, I feel so much more comfortable going into this next season here, although I am still concerned about my Miami Heat. Um, so you, you gave me a little angst there. Anything on the Boston Celtics, since you know I'm a, I'm a Boston guy and they're, they're certainly the team that I root against, which is ironic. Any, any Boston Celtics news? Yeah, a- absolutely. Uh, the plantar fasciitis Kristaps Porzingis has uh, is going to be the one of the biggest things people are on top of at the start of the regular season because, listen, the Boston Celtics gave up a quality player and Marcus Smart to get him. And a lot of people referred to Marcus as somebody who was like, the the engine of that squad of their their heart and soul and he, he was the type of gritty role player that would dive for loose balls set screens do all the stuff that you know the star players don't want to do and Kristaps Porzingis is is, an, is a very good NBA player but listen historically when big men have problems in the lower body it's it's very concerning and plantar fasciitis is an issue that if not handled correctly, could linger the whole year. It, it's something that, you know, robbed Joakim Noah, who was one of the great Chicago Bulls of, you know, the a great run in, in the later stages of his career. This is something that I, I really hope that it gets managed correctly because, you know, I, I want to see the Boston Celtics, you know, compete at a high level because they're a great squad with a lot of talented players. And the league is best when everybody is going at it at full strength. There is that going on. There's the, the issue with, with Brogdon. The team tried to trade him, and they couldn't. He, um, we'll, we'll see if he's uh, healthy going forward with, 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 his, with his elbow. But apart from that, you know, your Boston Celtics, Jalen Brown, he signed one of the richest deals. Well, I think it was the richest deal in, in history at the time, uh, $303.7 million, as I think what the contract can balloon up to if he hits all of the – prerequisites this makes him one of the players with the highest expectations in the league you know personally I I thought he was somewhere you want to say in the top 20 top 25 I think that's fair but you know a guy like him with the right type of team built around him you know could take you very far in the playoffs especially when his you know running mate is someone as good as Jason Tatum but a lot is going to be expected from Jalen Brown you know he is paid like like the best player in the world. And frankly, you know, the Boston Celtics had a disappointing, you know, end to their season in the the conference finals. They went down 0-3 against the Miami Heat, won the next three, setting up a, you know, all-time anxiety-filled, you know, match for the 
supporters of the, the Boston uh, crowd and the Miami uh, group. You know, speaking to people who support both teams, they just wanted that series to be over. And, you know, guys like Caleb Martin uh, from the Miami Heat, Gabe Vincent, showed out in Boston for Game 7, you know, outplaying, you know, the Celtics. And, you know, someone like Brown, who was paid all this money, you know, the, 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 at, the, at the very least, the fans and, you know, the organization – the next season are expecting a, a trip back to the NBA finals. W- winning is, is very hard at that level, but you know, you got to show you can at least get back there to validate such a deal, especially, you know, he, he's going to have, you know, probably more burden on his shoulders as, at, at the beginning of the year, because um, with the concern with Brogdon, we, we, we still don't know with, with what he is with, with his injury he was the point guard. Smart was the point guard who you gave away for Kristaps uh, Porzingis. One of these guys is going to have more ball handling duties, and it very well could be Jalen Brown. So he's got a lot to live up to. He's don't don't get me wrong. He's a very fine player. I, I think he's up for the challenge. But th- there is that going on with the Boston Celtics. Well, Mateo, what's the best way everyone can keep up with you to to definitely follow along as the season? develops and and certainly get updates on a on a daily weekly basis you name it whenever you're putting stuff out well on my twitter page it's mateo mayorga 23 that's where i'm mostly at in promoting my work for five reasons and fan side and and also within the last um uh well at the end of july i kind of just messing around started a sub stack page for whenever you know there's something going on related to the league or in the in the combat sports business, you know, I could comment and get it, get it out to people. It's uh, Mateo Mayorga at substack.com. I, that's something I will be working more on the, this, this year for, you know, more like n- more news at the national level. My work for fan excuse me, for fan it is more geared towards the Cleveland Cavaliers and at five reasons sports at, you know, covering the Miami heat on my Substack page. I want to cover the league at a national level. And, you know, when I get my big interviews, with uh, big wigs, it'll be there. Mr. Tony Schiavone, and we're desperately out of time on Duke Love Wrestling.